Let's have fun. Let's have a day. You want to buy a team? I do, actually. I would love to own a team. I would make so many changes. I would be the black sheep of the owners. I would love to own a team. What about you, Kratz? Would you like to own a team? I don't have two millions of dollars. I don't want to put up that. I don't want to deal with the headache. Really? Really? If I gave you a team, oh, you wouldn't run it? that's the best way. You can fire people when you want. You can hire people and then fire them five seconds later. You're like, I hey, enjoy Kratz, winning. You're hired. No, you're fired. Just kidding. I enjoy winning. I don't. I don't. I don't well, yeah, but if to. you do it right, if you do it right, you can win. It's actually not that hard because most people don't want to win. <laughs> they just want money. Right. So if you actually just win, the money actually will come. Um, anyway, how's everyone's day? Is it good? Is it pretty effing good? I had an epic morning. Yeah? Yeah. Like worth sharing or no? I mean, you see my shirt. Can you see my shirt? Yeah. Sip. Sip state. Sip state. Miss state. Mississippi state. My daughter signed her letter of intent to go play volleyball. Let's go. Morning, so. Congratulations. Yeah. I didn't know that. Congratulations, Ava. So Congratulations, like, Ava. Why is he wearing a Mississippi State shirt? That's Love that. Mean. So I'll ask yeah, you the me question. And Jonathan Papelbon. Can I ask you the question I always ask? <laughs> Will there be a celebratory dinner, no. toast, nothing for Ava tonight or in the next few days? You know what there was? What? I showed up at her gym and put up some balloons for her. Okay, that's fine. That counts. That's a celebration. That counts. No, it was good. It was a good little program. There were six kids total. You're going to give her one of those Max Muncy cookies. If they ever show up. <laughs> there's there's six girls, six kids. six, Four girls, two boys that signed Division One out of school. So you can give each of them a yeah. cookie. If they ever show up. They will. They didn't get, they didn't get a cowbell, did, did she? She didn't get a of cowbell course. yet? She has to have a cowbell. She didn't get it yet, did she? No, she has one though. Um, but the one you're, you're, you can't be given your first cowbell. You can't buy it yourself. You have to be given it to someone. I've heard about this on Falcon. So Factory. her and her roommate, I think, are gonna do it for each other. Trade. But she has one. Yeah, some. She, those things are so damn loud and annoying. <laughs> uh, oh, go to a range game. No, these are worse. I swear. Oh yeah, yeah. Especially when they're in your house and someone kids walking around going. Oh my gosh. If you want frustration, charge the mound is for you today. Mm -hmm. I think they're pretty fucking good, personally. Well, why take it from AJ when we can take it from the press conference that occurred after our show on Tuesday? Today's Wednesday, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So on Tuesday, we did catch some of Hal Steinbrenner's comments, owner of the New York Yankees. General Manager Brian Cashman, who's been in the position forever, coming off, you know, a... 500-ish season for the Yanks, which does feel like the sky is falling. And he came out hustling with the media. So let's start with how his day was. I'm, I think we have good baseball people, whether they're pro scouts, whether they're coaches, whether they're the manager, whether they're the general manager, uh, whether they're um, analytics guys, I think we have good people. I'm getting permission requests all over the place. We just lost our bench coach to the Mets as a manager. Uh, I've got analytics guys trying to be poached to other clubs right now. <coughs> um, our player development program, no different than other places. But again, reinforcement that we got good people. I'm proud of our people and I'm, I'm proud of our process. Doesn't mean we're firing on all cylinders, doesn't mean we're the best in class, but I think we're pretty f good personally. And uh, I'm proud of our people and I'm also looking forward to 24 being a better year than 23. <laughs> Did you hear about the analytics department? It's not, they, they're not run by analytics. 
It's a teeny department. So Brian Cashman said. It's the smallest department in the AL East, which actually then pissed off the analytics people because mm-hmm. they were like, hey, you don't think we're important? Also, it's it's not about the size. It's how you use it. It doesn't matter if you have so 30 said, interns or not. So you've said four and a half. Famous Austin Powers quote. But you understand what I'm saying, right? One, you could have one person in your analytics department, but if they're making decisions and recommendations like, hey, Josh Donaldson is going to be the best trade of all time if we make this acquisition based on his exit velocity and do a deep dive on Tom Verducci's story on how that trade went down. It's pretty interesting. So, okay, your turn. My question is, he thinks they're pretty fucking good. They didn't make the playoffs. They didn't come close to making the playoffs. So what are they pretty good at? And then you look at the offensive numbers. I think we have this. Yeah, we do. We have this tweet, right? I mean, hitting ranks. We can show those so I don't. Most of those stats don't matter, though. No. 29th average, 29th hits, 26th OPS. That one matters. Mm -hmm. RBIs, they really don't care about. Runs, that's the most important one. You need to score more runs. Yeah, they hit a lot, decent amount of homers. Doubles, last. Triples, next to last. And at-bats, last. That means they're not getting on base. They're not hitting around. They're not getting Aaron Judge up there as many times as humanly possible. Um, Yeah, I mean, when Aaron Judge also came out and told Cashman batting average and RBIs need to matter more, you think they listens to him? And then then Hal Steinberg says we got to bunt more? But then did you hear what Cash said about Judge? They asked him about it. Cashman replied yesterday to reporters asking about Judge. He goes, quote, I asked him about that, and he talked about RBIs and batting average. They're important. I understand. Again, I think it just comes down to when you're dealing with 99 wins two years ago, everybody is happy. Look at how patient Kratz is waiting for us to just be little kids and scream and shout. Okay, adult in the room. Go ahead. What do you got? Well, I I think there's too much that is – there's too much going on around all this stuff. Like the whole bunting thing. Like people relax. Who cares that he said it was bunting? Like these are the – this is the owner and the GM came out and spoke. And the owner kind of said, meh, whatever stuff. He didn't really give you much. He didn't get, you know, he really kind of, he said they were going to do all these things and then they're not. But to me, if I'm Brian Cashman, put myself in Brian Cashman's shoes. Would you guys agree that this is possibly his last year if they don't do well? No. Uh, I would say no to that. No. no? And also, what does not do okay. well mean? Because okay. for Yankee fans, they, they want to win the a championship. If they, they make, make the playoffs. The playoffs Mm. As a wild card team and get bounced in around in the American League mm. East, the best division in baseball. Is it though? Not this year. The AL West was the best division in baseball. But but you're saying if they make the playoffs as a wild card and then get bounced like in the wild card round of the DS. Is that a successful season for the Yankees? Uh, after winning 82 games, I would say it is. Ultimately, okay. either way, either way, we both agree. We all agree that they are. He is going to be the GM this year. Why not rally the guys? Why not Why not say, screw everybody else? We're internalizing this. And if we're wrong, I'm out anyway. So why not rally everybody and say, you know what? These players need to step up. I heard he needs the players to step up. I heard there's going to be accountability. I also heard that they're going to still make splashes in, in the market. So all of a sudden... We're sitting here going, oh, man, this is the worst move. This is he didn't give us anything. You know, people are complaining now that it's the smallest analytical department when everyone's like, oh, it's too much analytics. And then he tells you it's the smallest. Oh, yeah. Well, 
they shouldn't be the smallest. It should be the largest. You know, you're going to, it's like when Angel Hernandez gets out there and it's a borderline call. You're going to be like, Angel Hernandez sucks. Like, there's no answer that he could have given. To me, he came out and was passionate. He gave confidence to everyone that's in the organization, whether that's right or wrong. Only 2024 will decide that. Not us no, he, today on November the 8th. He, you know what he sounded like? He sounded like the bitter, this is my last. A bitter boy. Well, I wasn't going to say that. But <laughs> we'll get to that. But he sounded like the, the, the kid that like, I'm right and you're wrong, no matter what you say, right? Because then if you if you watch the whole press conference, what was it Joel Sherman that that asked him some other questions? Do you want to hear that? We have it. But they like kind of exactly, and it was very unconventional. Do you ever see that in a press conference? And also, no. is there accountability when you're talking that way? Because Kratz, the one thing that you're talking about that I'm lacking in what I'm hearing is accountability, right? Coming out and defending everything. Oh, our analytics, it's not about that. It's smaller, okay? Which also, but our analytics are right. By the way, plenty of people have spoken about this that have done a deep dive. Michael Fishman works there, assistant GM for a long time. Super, super analytical dude. It doesn't matter that he doesn't have 80 interns like maybe one of the other AL East teams does. He has made significant decisions. You can talk to players about that. So that's also acting like we're stupid. So there's no accountability yesterday. Fact or fiction? Did you feel like there was accountability? Hey, we fucked up. Last season was a disaster. We are going to work on fixing it. It's all on me. What I heard was, for example, let's play this. Let's play the back and forth, for example, because Joel Sherman, who and does a great job. Volpe. This is about Volpe. And this is about player development. And, and but, but there's young mainly, players. It was focused at Volpe, but then it went into player development. And Peraza, right? And Peraza, he's got nowhere to play. I mean, yeah, there's a whole bunch of things. Let's run it. Maybe you're making well, a point on behalf of other others. young players come up and succeed in the major leagues. Am I missing the young players who are coming up who With are the Yankees. offensively succeeding in the major leagues? So so you're saying that we, we can't produce major... I'm not saying you can't. I'm asking... You described it as indisputable. I'm asking you where... Like, the ultimately... But you, but the, the example you want to say right now is is Volpe, I guess, and Cabrera. Those Cabrera, are the two, right? Cabrera, Peraza. Like, if they were performing, they would have kept getting more at-bats. They didn't perform, and they didn't. But Peraza's not getting everyday reps. Right. He's got Glaber. He's got Volpe now. He's got LeMayhew. Prior to that was Donaldson. There was not a lane for him to even play. So I don't even know why you used Peraza. Well, these are your young players. I understand that, but he's got to have a spot to play for you to be in a, use well, his name. Well, if he would have hit, he would have played more. He didn't hit, so he didn't play more, right? Well, where's he going to play? Well, if he hit, he would have played. Who would he, if he hit? Like, this is Abbott Costello. Uh -huh. If he hit, who's he <laughs> taking out? LeBeau at third? Is he taking out Volpe at short? Is he taking out Calabria Torres, right, who was you, one of the best second basemen in the American League last if year? If you want to win, you're going to play the guys who are hitting. If he hit, he would have played, right? I guess if he hit better than Volpe, he would have played shortstop, and he would have won the thing out of spring training. But Volpe won it out of spring training. I think it's a stupid discussion that we're having, personally. I think our player development system, all that matters from my end to you is, I think our player development system does a great job. You don't, you're questioning whether it does. That's your job to do. Proof will be in the pudding. Let's see how. So, so if Volpe comes up crushing it this year, are you going to be like, hey, I guess they, I guess their development system does produce hitters? I've, I've reviewed I don't the know. movies in front of me. The movies this year weren't good. Okay, if so the then, movies are good so let, next year. We'll have a different discussion. All right, right? And then I'll then then I can hear you say, you know what? Remember last year? I look forward to that. Yeah. I look forward to you telling me that when Volpe crushes it offensively this year for us, that you'll say, hey, man, I guess your development program did a good job. Thank and it was just it was just sea legs under him his first maiden voyage year with not much triple anders belt. I mean, I feel it's pretty basic. There's so many questions I have after that.
then why is he in the big leagues if he wasn't ready? Basically, if he was made in voyage without his sea legs, then why is he in the big leagues? And do you want them to write nicely about a bad season that they're admitting, obviously, yeah. as they should, is bad? That's his but job. sounds so like, he's like, it's not, oh, no, no, I can't wait to prove you wrong. And, and like It's defensive. It's very defensive. Like, it's not, you know, I, I understand what Eric's saying, like, rally the troops, but he's not rallying the troops. He's more like, oh, no, no, wait till this year. We're going to prove to you guys that we're right and you're wrong. Like, screw y'all. Like, and for him to say we're pretty fucking good, okay, they might be good next year, but this past year you can't look back and say we were pretty fucking good because they weren't. He said they had the Garrett Cole. And Judge for half a season. No, they had Garrett Cole in the starting rotation. And other than that, it was mixed match. Mixed match. It was a four and a half year. It was a hodgepodge, whatever that. you want to call it, okay? Mm-hmm. Their bullpen was decent, but their lineup when Judge was out was awful. Rizzo obviously was hurt, but everyone else they tried. Torres had a nice year, okay, but not where you're like, oh my gosh, Blaver Torres MVP. But Volpe was below average, league average. Donaldson obviously got shit canned in Milwaukee, right? Peraza, whoever else you want to throw in there, they were all below average. Judge was hurt for two months, so to say we're pretty good, yeah, it's a bold statement. They're probably trying to say we're all going to progress next year and not regress like everybody did this year? Like is, are all these guys that had bad years going to have the same bad years again? Well, we don't know though. Like a Volpe, maybe that's his year. Maybe that's his year. But on the other end too, you have, you have some aging veterans who might not bounce Stanton's back. Stanton's not getting younger. Stanton, Rizzo's LeMahieu. not getting younger. LeMahieu's, you don't know. LeMahieu's I mean, had a few years in a row like this now. Yeah. It's not like this is LeMahieu's first down year. He's had a couple down years in a row now. Rizzo's numbers have slowly started coming back down, right? Stanton's had a couple years. He can't stay healthy. Judge is a legend. If he plays a full season, it's it's different. Of course. They tried Bader. He didn't work. Yeah, right? Bader had a tough year wherever he was when he moved on, too. Okay, let's put it this way, Kratz. You have a press conference after the season that just went down. You've had a month to kind of let everything sink in. They did say that they were going to make changes. Everyone said that. The team said that. Judge every said is, that. Every team's saying that, though. Except maybe the Rangers. Every other team's saying we're making Even the changes. Right. Okay, but that's fine. So now you're in front of reporters. What's your main message when you step up? Because I know you speak well and you're super accountable. Wouldn't you just be like, hey, guys, we're going to go for it. In the free agent market, this lineup's not going to look the same exact way it did. Last year sucked. That's not the Yankee way. And we're going to be way better. And if they say, hey, what about your analytics department? Yeah, we're going to make some changes there too. Okay? If players are pissed about how we're doing things, if fans are pissed about how we're doing things, it doesn't matter that much because it's up to us. We work in this thing, right? You got to take that stuff with a grain of salt. Fans are going to get pissed at everyone. And then the next, you know, they're going to boo judge in the playoffs and then move on, obviously, five seconds later. That's fine. We understand that. But I think going after reporters when they're writing pretty accurate stories or accurate stories about documenting the team, that's their job. I think part of this is because he hasn't spoken that much. He hasn't spoken. So now you're he's he's trying to answer about the Gallo stuff. He's trying to answer about Sonny Gray stuff. He's trying to – more transparency throughout all of this might not lead to this blow-up. It felt like it kind of all bottled up. But it felt like it all bottled up because they believe in their process. Whether Scott Braun or Eric Kratz or the millions of Yankees fans believe in their process, they believe in it. And 
the other what's the other choice? What's the other choice? Their players he, don't he, believe in it though. Who doesn't I, believe I it? I feel like there's a disconnect. The the lead head honcho of your team, the captain, the dude who's who's running shit in the clubhouse, Aaron Judge, does not ever go after anyone, right? He is very keep it to the vest Jeter style for the most part, right? It's just like a very appropriate, calculated. Jeter didn't have to worry about this. Thoughtful. They were winning. Exactly. But well, what did Judge say? He hey, said he wouldn't have to rethink how things are going here. Yeah, no doubt. But they, they can't change anything, right? What, are they, what, do you, what did you want Cashman to come out and say? Hey, you know what? We're actually pursuing Juan Soto. We're going to pay whatever it takes to get Yamamoto and uh, Bellinger's coming in too. Like, there you go. Like, he's got to no. still toe his line of the fact that, ah, you know what? We're going to try to do our thing. You know, we're not desperate. If they come out and we're like, hey, we're desperate, every team is going to be like, oh, you want our guy? Oh, you want Luis Robert? Oh, that'll cost you nine prospects because I know you're desperate and you need a center fielder. I don't think that matters. I don't no. think someone's listening to any comments being like, I'm going to ask for more in a trade. My thing I mean, is, Chris, Chris why Getz are you- came out and said he hates his team. Does that mean people are going to try to – Take the people they want for less? I mean, it doesn't make any sense. How many other people are defending their analytics department when they're also having the head of their analytics department essentially, right, hire a firm, and he's in charge of hiring that firm to internally review how they run analytics when people have been writing for a while now about not how large the department is or whatever. They just feel like from players to writers to plenty of anonymous sources that would get fired if they said anything, that they're doing it wrong on that front. And so to defend that to the death just now, yesterday, is fucking weird. It still goes back to this for me also, Kratz. After Aaron Judge, who have they developed that's been an impact guy? That's who? what they asked in that little two-minute exchange. That's what I'm saying. Who have they developed? I mean, Dominguez was there for, what, a couple weeks before he got hurt. I think he's going to be good. But... but Volpe was below average offensively. Cabrera, Peraza, they haven't been anything good. Don't say Glaber Torres because he was traded. Wells didn't really produce offensively. I would go. Can, I would well, go guys. Really I would I go guys that have not. I would go guys that have not stuck. You can't. You can't go as high as Judge because nobody's developed Judge. So that's to me. You wash that off the table. Okay, that was 2017. He came up. So now that's Gary Sanchez. Years. Gary Sanchez. Colin. and Miguel Andujar. I'm not. But you're talking about them Miguel being Andujar. Developed. Come on. And both of those are failed stories. Yeah, they both failed. Gary Sanchez was supposed to be a Hall of Fame guy. He's gone. Once he, he they made it, once they made it, they did year. not, they did not, they did not continue that development. So to me, that would be the that would be the question. Why did they not continue? Was the work not done the same once they got to the big leagues? And when did Gary Sanchez come up? Sixteen. So he was ahead before Aaron Judge. So he was before this whole wave of analytics that they're talking about oh what about I'm jordan not, montgomery no i'm talking about position player hitting oh but no, i'm no, saying no, yeah montgomery i'm not Montgomery leaves and now he's a fucking another one stud i'm not i'm but not denying you, I'm not denying. you can't stay healthy right you, you bring in herman you bring in montas who was hurt well the, and that's another story too but is the, we I mean, got conflicting reports on montas just now in the last well, 24 Cashman hours said he was healthy and they were like well, well, well. what did Steinbrenner say we took a risk there on the medicals yeah well, which one is it? Fiery press conference from yesterday. Eric Boland on the scene uh, joining us from Newsday. You can follow him at E-B-O-L-A-N-D-1-1 on Twitter. Eric, great to have you on, man. Looks like you're enjoying some nice weather out there. 
and some nice theater. So how were the press conferences for you yesterday to cover? Well, first of all, Scott, AJ, and Eric, nice to be on with you, and Eric especially to be on with somebody who spells their first name correctly. That was my first yeah. that was my first comment there. Me, you, and Eric <laughs> Neander. That's right. That's right. It's a very uh, a close-knit circle. It's an elite group. It's Swedish for it's Swedish for the great, but just saying. Best Eric's I know. There's not a lot of us. Uh, to, <laughs> to answer your question, uh, I, I think the press conferences, particularly Brian Cashman's, uh, were extraordinary. Um, I, just, I just finished my 15th year covering the Yankees, and uh, I don't think I've ever heard uh, a Cashman press conference that even compares to that. He's been angry before, um, but uh, he usually, even in anger, uh, is able to get out pretty uh, coherent sentences uh, with strong arguments behind them. Uh, we really did not hear or see much of that yesterday. Uh, he obviously came in with a little bit of calculation of defending uh, his analytics group that, that has come under fire uh, this season in, in ways that it, it never has before. Uh, it's basically really been, and I, I referenced it in my story today in Newsday, it's basically been, uh, you know, roses and plaudits thrown to that group about how cutting edge they are. You remember the stories about the, the gas station in, in Tampa that was supposed to redefine uh, pitching development. Uh, it, it really has been almost to a degree over the top about how cutting edge and how ahead of the game they are uh, compared to, to other teams. Uh, and this year, uh, the department uh, came under, in my estimation, and I've actually been writing criticisms of their analytics department for at least three years now, um, deserved criticism. Uh, but, but he obviously came in with that agenda of, uh, of defending that group. And even questions that he was asked that didn't relate to analytics, um, he, um, he would bring it back uh, to that. And so uh, if I was a fan, I would have been irate at both uh, Hal's press conference and then uh, Cash's because essentially the message, even though they said there may be some changes, they, they were very cloak and dagger about what those may be. Um, and if I was a fan, the message that I would have took out of it was nothing to see here, folks, and trust us to fix this. <laughs> so let's start with the analytics, because for me, I feel like that's the biggest problem. And that's just like an easy punchline for both sides, really, right? Fans are reading your work. They are paying attention. There are plenty of people like you doing a deep dive on what's going on there, talking to players, talking to anonymous sources who have to be anonymous because they'd be fired if they spoke freely and publicly with their name attached to how some shit is fucked up. I felt like there was no accountability in terms of how that's being run. They have the guy who's kind of running that department, hiring an external group, probably spending millions of dollars to review them when he should be part of that review. And if he's the one doing the hiring, that's weird. Talking about Fishman, the assistant general manager, who I've heard a lot about for years and how they're running things. Did you find it insulting that he said they had the smallest analytics department in the American League East, as if the number of humans in a department, including interns, actually makes a difference in terms of how they are translating the analytics to their roster decisions and their strategic decisions? Yeah, like I said, Scott, you know, Brian usually, uh, again, even if he's angry, uh, will make cogent arguments. And that one fails on, on so many logical levels, saying, 
that they have the, the smallest analytics department uh, in the American League East and at the same time have the largest pro scouting department. But if you're not listening to one of those groups, then, you know, what's, what's the point? It, it doesn't matter. I actually had a text from an analytics uh, person from another team uh, earlier uh, today. I've gotten a lot of texts and calls uh, since Cashman's press conference, both from inside the organization and outside. And, you know, sorry, more anonymous uh, quotes here. But uh, as one person said to me, then, you know, the, the Marlins a few years ago had about two people in their analytics department and they were making all of the decisions. Um, you know, I, I didn't necessarily, you know, dig deep into that one because I don't cover the Marlins, but it has nothing to do whatsoever with numbers. It has to do with influence. And I, I've been digging in on this particular topic for probably at least five years. I, I've started writing critical things about the analytics department three years ago, uh, more and more certainly this year. And the overwhelming thought that you get from people both inside the organization and outside the organization is that the analytics groups with the New York Yankees run pretty much all facets of the franchise. And you can look at something, something as simple as coaching hires uh, from the, the lower levels all the way up through the big leagues. What's one thing that the vast, vast, vast majority of those guys have in common is that they come from predominantly analytics backgrounds. And you're telling me that that's something that's being pushed by people outside the analytics department? Uh, it, it's 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 kind of laughable uh, to make that contention. And so, you know, look, I, I haven't written anything where I've said that people should be fired uh, and that, that, that there should be house cleaning. I know plenty of other people have, have opined on that. The point that I have been making for several years and, and really dug in on this year was that the group's influence needs to be curbed somewhat. And, and the Yankees saying that they're balanced and saying that they brought in Omar Minaya and Brian Sabian and well before that, Jim Hendry and Tim Narian's name get mentioned all the time as, as coming from more of a, a scout's background uh, and that that somehow is evidence of balance. Well, saying that you're balanced doesn't make it so. Uh, and again, the, the overwhelming majority of people that you talk to both inside the organization and outside the organization is that the analytics group not only has carte blanche on pretty much every decision that gets made, they're never called to accountability. And I remember a, a quote that I got someone from inside the organization earlier this season, something along these lines. It's never their fault. It's always somebody else's when something doesn't go right. And so, um, you know, you hear that for five, six years, uh, you know, you, you have to imagine that there's some truth to it. You know, it's not just bitter ex-players or bitter boy, as, as uh, Cashman referred uh, yesterday to uh, Ben Rua, who, uh, created a little bit of a stir uh, with you guys a, a few months back. You know, it's not bitter ex-players, bitter ex-employees. Uh, there's a lot of bitterness from people inside the organization. Uh, the vast majority of my sources on this are people inside the organization from everywhere, from the clubhouse through upper levels of uh, management in baseball operations. And the Yankees wouldn't like this. Even, even a few people in the analytics department itself. Um, it's all about, again, I can only speak to my reporting on this issue, it's all about curbing the influence and having more of a, the balanced approach that the Yankees have claimed that they have. But when you look at the decision-making for the most part, uh, it doesn't back that up. Eric, um, besides you and Eric Kratz being the second and third most famous Eric with a K behind Eric Estrada, <laughs> chips all the way. Um, Don't ever, <laughs> ever forget Eric Estrada. That's I right. grew up on that. Oh, well, see, there you go. Maybe that's who you're named after. Um <laughs> Besides that, 
I, I hear what you're saying about the analytics, and I hear what you're saying about people inside the organization. But how do the Yankees fix this? What What's the road to fixing this? Is Brian Cashman didn't say fans are clamoring like we need to blow this up, we need to start over. Brian Cashman was defensive, defiant, right about like this isn't the problem. This is that, you know, like, you know, we're fucking good. But how do they fix this? Because I just asked Eric Kratz, name me one offensive player that is, the Yankees have developed since Aaron Judge, and we couldn't come up with one. No, I mean, it's tough. And, and, and AJ, you, you bring up uh, yet another, you know, point that, that was uh, contended yesterday was about their, their minor leagues and, and you know, one of the things Brian said was how great their, their player development is, and, and the proof is in the proverbial pudding, and it, and it just really isn't there. And by the way, a lot of the coaches that Aaron Judge was helped along the way, and he has said has helped him, helped him along the way in his player development um, when he was in the minor leagues, those coaches aren't there anymore. They've systematically gutted their system of – Again, there's some exceptions here and there, but for the most part of experienced battle-tested uh, coaches, and, and I don't have to, I'm not, you know, I, I feel like I'm almost talking down to, to, to you, uh, AJ and, and, and Eric. I mean, you guys certainly know this better than me, uh, but, but everything when I've talked to players over the years, you know, those, those, those battle-tested coaches who have seen everything twice in their careers uh, were invaluable to so many players uh, when they were coming up through the, um, through the minor leagues. And the Yankees have, again, systematically just gotten rid of those guys and replaced them overwhelmingly with, uh, w- with numbers guys. And, um, and I can tell you, you know, and Brian was very defensive about a lot of things yesterday, but uh, certainly player development was one of them. Uh, I had a player uh, tell me about when Didi Gregorius was rehabbing an injury in 2019, and he made a comment to a couple of players when he was healthy and was back in the big league clubhouse. And he said, quote, you wouldn't believe some of the – you know what going on in our minor leagues. This is something players talk about uh, regularly. And I think that the Yankees, uh, because of, you know, for a variety of reasons, words that I hear often inside the organization are arrogant and condescending when it comes to uh, not everyone in that group, but but a lot of them, uh, is that they are ignoring the fact that this has entered the clubhouse and that it's something that bothers players. And, and it's one of the reasons why you saw an in-season coaching change uh, with the hitting coach, with Dylan Lawson, who, and it, no, no personal offense to him, but he was entirely a product of the analytics uh, department. He was their minor league hitting coordinator, was raised through the ranks to the point of eventually becoming the big league hitting coach. And, and basically, uh, you know, players were, were, were grumbling, like, could we get somebody with a little bit of experience, please, that has some idea of what it's like to stand in a big league's batter's box. I had a player at the end of the season say to me, I was talking to him about Sean Casey, and Casey came in obviously w- with no coaching experience, but he played 12 years in the big leagues, was a, over a 300 hitter. And one of the players said to me, it's been nice to just be able to talk hitting with somebody, somebody who speaks the language and, and isn't just fluent in exit velocity and and numbers and launch angle, et cetera, et cetera. Someone that you can just sit down and shoot the, you know what, with, I guess I can say shit on this podcast. Um, yes, please. Shoot the yes. shit with about, about, about hitting. Um, and I think that the Yankees have ignored that aspect for years now, and the bill to a degree came due in 2023. And to just sort of dismiss 
what's evident in the clubhouse when you talk to you know some guys about it. Um, you know, I mean, I I think it, there's a degree of negligence to that, and, and the the flippant way that. Uh, Ryan dismissed the comments that Aaron Judge made to a group of us in Kansas City the final weekend of the, of the season when he said that there are some you know numbers that that need to be uh, more emphasized than others. And when Brian was asked about it, he was like, "Yeah, it was batting average and RBI and that that and then moved on to, to something else." Um, not saying that Aaron Judge should be the decision maker um, with the organization, but if you have a player of that ilk saying something like that publicly. And that's the first time that Judge was was kind of critical um, in his own way uh, of the Yankees' use of analytics. If he feels that way, I guarantee you a lot of other guys feel that way. And I know that for a fact because I've talked to, to, to players about that. So I'm going to put you in Scott's favorite land, role play land. Okay? Eric, you are now Brian Cashman. How should you have come out in this press conference and – spoken to the fan base, spoken to the media. How should he have approached this and what should he have said? I mean, that's a great question, Eric, and I'm not sure. And one thing I, I do agree with that Brian said yesterday was that words aren't going to fix this. There's nothing that I can say today that's going to appease anyone or make anyone happy. We need to win games, and that's the bottom line. But mm -hmm. I think there needed to be some – self-evaluation, some uh, internal um, review, if you will, and say, you know what, we've, we've shoved all of our chips to the table. And this, this has been years in the making. And Eric, you were with the organization for, for a short period of time. And I don't think, and please correct me if I've said anything wrong about uh, the way that players feel uh, in the clubhouse on, on some of this stuff. They certainly don't say it uh, on the record, but, but I, you know, my experience over the years is that there, there's plenty of dialogue uh, you know, amongst you guys behind the scenes and kind of uh, laughing at some of the stuff that gets shoved down your throats with with, with regularity. Um, and I just say, you know what, we actually do need to do a full internal review. This past season was completely unacceptable, uh, which is something Hal said, uh, and Brian feels the same way. But, but then instead of saying that it's unacceptable, but we're really not going to make any changes of significance, say everything's on the table for evaluation and we're going to do some real soul searching on the way the franchise has been operated for the last five to ten years. Again, this didn't just start uh, last year um, and, and just acknowledge that, you know what, it's, there's an organizational rot that has taken place in recent seasons. Uh, that led to last year. It didn't just blow up because of, of injuries and underperformance the way that, the, you know, that, that Cashman and, and Hal at other times have talked about uh, with regularity and, and really say, you know, yes, we do need to make some significant changes with the way that we operate. And again, when I've written about this, my whole point has never been that a bunch of people need to be fired. It's just a matter of establishing some kind of organizational balance where uh, things other than numbers and data science, et cetera, uh, is taken into account with decisions. And when Hal yesterday said that, and I, I don't mean to pick a, a Joey Gallo, he's a very popular guy in the Yankees clubhouse. He was respected by players, respected by coaches for how he worked, uh, what a good teammate that he was. Uh, and in the face of absolutely blistering criticism on the part of, of media and fans when he was in New York, um, the way he handled it earned a lot of respect from from his teammates. Uh, but when Hal yesterday said that it was unanimous organizationally to, to bring Gallo aboard, 
that's just simply is not true. Uh, there were red flags that were raised about his ability to handle the spotlight of New York. Uh, you know, w- within 20 minutes of them making that trade at, at the 2021 trade deadline, I had three people from the Rangers organization uh, on the phone uh, telling me off the record that there's no way this guy can handle uh, what entails playing at Yankee Stadium, wearing the pinstripes or wearing the road grays, uh, that he hears everything, that he's thin-skinned, and that that was the worst possible thing. And if me, as some grunt newspaper reporter, had access to some of that information, and by the way, two of the people I talked to were in the Rangers organization and, and were part of his development there, so they know Joey pretty well. If I had access to that information as a grunt reporter, you can't tell me that the Yankees' $6 billion-plus organization didn't have access to that if they didn't want, if they wanted to have access to it. And so um, to say that that was a unanimous decision on the part of uh, baseball operations uh, just simply, you know, is, is not true. And not that that trade needs to be relitigated, but I think it's just an example of many where there were warnings, there were signs, there was ready information that that, that trade more than likely was not going to work out. But because of, you know, Gallo had a, a good uh, on-base percentage, perfect, you know, swing for Yankee Stadium as a lefty bat. Uh, the numbers guys felt that they could get that on-base percentage and his batting average up just a little bit, and we're just going to ignore the red flags because there's no metric for them. How do we know? And I'm going to kind of put you to the test a little bit because I know the answer, and maybe you don't. How do we know they're not making changes in the background because – just because Cashman didn't say, oh, well, this is the change we're making. And I'm going to test you by saying, who hired Dylan Lawson to be the big league hitting coach? Well, I mean, ultimately, that's Brian Cashman, but but he's doing that at, you know, a strong recommendation from, you know, Mike Fishman and the analytics group because they put him in place in the minor leagues as the, uh, the hitting coordinator um, and then just sort of raised him through the ranks, uh, you know, from there. Um, so, I mean, but again, the, 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 the final decision is Brian's, and again, my point has been all along, is that listen to some other people in your organization outside of the analytics sphere once in a while. But they made, but they made the change. Brian Koshman has never once fired a hitting coach or coach or right. manager in his 20-plus years of tenure during the season. So to me, that's a, that's a significant change of course. I understand you can't change an entire department. You can't change an entire minor league system. But to me, that's a significant change in a direction that, hey, you know what, we don't see that it's working. Absolutely, Eric. And that one, But that move, number one, we all saw what the Yankees' offense was the first half of the season. So it was a completely you know, defensible move. And also – you know, players behind the scenes were kind of clamoring for some kind of a change. You know, uh, in, in Dylan's first year, his assistant hitting coach, and I put assistant in, in air quotes, was Hensley Mullins, who, of course, won three World Series on Bruce Bochy's staff with, um, uh, with the Giants. Uh, he played in the big leagues, obviously, and players, particularly veteran players, uh, very early in, in 2022 uh, were going to uh, Hensley and talking to him. This past season, Brad Wilkerson, who took, who became an assistant hitting coach, the same thing was happening. What, what, what do Brad and Hensley have in common? They both played in the big leagues. And let me just diverge for a second here. It, it doesn't mean that every coach needs to have big league playing experience. That's not the point. Kevin Long 
is a beloved hitting coach, has had success everywhere he's been, including uh, with the Yankees. Kevin never played in the big leagues. But uh, as one prominent player with the Yankees told me when Long was there, he said, yeah, he never played in the big leagues, but you feel that K-Long is in the batter's box with you every pitch, and he gets how effing hard this game is. And a lot of the analytics guys, again, not all, but a lot of them uh, don't seem to grasp that. And, and players, frankly, in a lot of cases, resent the hell out of it. And, but that move, you know, I, I think that was more a move of desperation rather than a course change uh, in how the organization uh, operates. Now, the fact that they may hire James Rousen uh, as the hitting coach, uh, and it looks like that, that there's a pretty good possibility that takes place, that would be another good sign. He was the minor league hitting coach two times uh, in, in his coaching career, uh, including in 2014 through 16, where he overlapped with Aaron Judge. And I know Aaron Judge uh, thought a lot of routes. And so, uh, you know, that certainly would be a, a, a positive sign. But uh, there, there, there would need to be a, a, a lot more moves made than, than the two that, that we're talking about uh, to where you, you could draw a conclusion uh, that they are going to, uh, you know, change somewhat that the way they operate. And again, curb the influence of the analytics group. And obviously there's been way too many dudes that have left lately too, like Sonny Gray, Aaron Hicks, um, Jordan Montgomery that are thriving elsewhere. I wanted to make sure that we, we touched on this topic because it was only mentioned for a second. I've never seen anything like this in a press conference. You tell me if you have. So let's show first what Cash said. And actually I looked at the transcript because I wasn't there and this was just some of what was put out there. Apparently there was even more put out there about Ben Ruda who... By the way, came on this show completely organically. We were talking about the Yankees. He's in our chat, which is very active every day, um, and told us, hey, there's there's more to the story here. Came on the show as we would bring on any kind of baseball person in that realm. So one of the funnier moments of Cash's availability was him calling former Yankees minor league player Ben Root a bitter boy. He called it embarrassing that he was giving a platform considering he got worse after leaving the organization. I saw more of what he said. He, he was basically saying that, that I'll paraphrase here, that most of what Ben was saying was a lie about um, hit effects and that they don't value, they don't care about strikeouts and, and other shit that they were doing. I mean, Ben told us about how they weren't allowed to use a T at times, which why the fuck would he make that up? But here's Ben who said, headline, quote, bitter boy Brian Cashman doesn't know how many current players in his own org and former Yankees players now in other orgs reached out in support of Ben Ruda following his foul territory clips. Embarrassing that he doesn't have a pulse on his own organization. To me, this is the epitome of disconnect with your players. Just like we talked about with Judge, you should be saying, hey, Aaron has a lot of great points. I'm sure also Aaron didn't go sit down with him and just say, hey, batting average and RBIs are everything. I'm sure there was a deeper discussion to that. Aaron's a pretty smart fucking baseball guy. So on the same realm here, you're attacking a Yankees minor league player and pointing to his stats with another team like that makes any difference in the world. And yes, Ben has said, he, he got like 50 plus calls, all from players and coaches and people within the organization afterwards, giving him more information about what's gone on since then. So to not only try and like put down a player in their org from the recent past, but then also to say he's lying. Have you ever seen anything like that in a press conference like this? I can't say that I have. I mean, I've certainly been in on a lot of Brian Cashman press conferences and just a lot of press conferences, you know, overall in my uh, career. Uh, I, I certainly can't recall that. And frankly, I mean, I, I thought that was beneath Brian a little bit. I have a lot of respect for Brian. Uh, I've always had a professional relationship in the 15 years that, I, that I've covered the team uh, with him. Uh, I think that he certainly uh, has taken to heart a lot of the criticism that him 
uh, and his, his analytics group have uh, have taken. But um, I just, yeah, I, I thought that that, I think he's better than that. I know he's better than that. Um, and I have no doubt, by the way, that, that, that Ben did hear from uh, people inside the, and outside the organization, because certainly I've been talking to a lot of those people, too, uh, in, in the last uh, 12 hours or so, or however long it's been since, uh, since Brian's uh, press conference. But, you know, to the substance of what he said on your show, uh, and, and I referenced it in, a, uh, in an analysis piece that I did sometime in August about uh, the Yankees' use of analytics, et cetera, uh, was that what Ben said uh, really wasn't new because going back probably five years, I was hearing from scouts from other organizations that are assigned the Yankee system from top to bottom, and they were telling me uh, some of the same things. And, and one of them, who comes from the, anal- uh, the analytics side of things, by the way, um, who said to me that uh, watching the Yankees minor leaguers, it was like watching, uh, you know, softball batting practice where it was just launch angle, exit velocity, and hope that a, a few of the fly balls go over the fence. Um, and, and again, I've been hearing that for a long time, and, and it kind of backs up the substance of what uh, Ben was talking about. And again, I refer back to uh, Didi Gregorius, who I don't think anyone would refer to as bitter boy or, or not a legitimate major leaguer, and the comments that he made to Yankees teammates when uh, he rehabbed in the minor leagues for a handful of games and then got to the big league clubhouse and sold, said to some of his teammates, you wouldn't believe some of the shit going on in our minor leagues. Um, so I'm not sure how... Uh, you know, you, you attack his credibility. Didi Gregorius, last time I checked, uh, had the the numbers and game uh, games played, et cetera, uh, to back up that he had a, a pretty, pretty damn good uh, major league career. Uh, you know, is he angry? Is he bitter? Is he someone that, that, that has no idea what he's talking about and making things up out of whole cloth? I, I highly doubt it. So um, he was worse when he know, left the Yankees. The <laughs> like, this is um, ridiculous. <laughs> Out of, yeah, out of no, all I the mean, two, so, I, mean, it, I mean, out of the two, though, it sounds like Cashman's the one that's bitter. Honestly, like he sounds like the bitter one over the fact that Ben Reuter called out what he's experienced. He wasn't as, even calling out Cash. He was no, calling he was, out. He was. He, yeah, he actually minor stayed away from Cash. Yeah. He just the things he said. He was like, "This is how they do it." He wasn't like saying it didn't work. He was just saying, "This is how they do it. It didn't work for me." He wasn't like. I mean, obviously, the proof is in the pudding, as Brian Cashman has said, but. By Cashman even stooping to this level, he sounds like the better one. At least, hey, at least Brian Cashman's tuning into foul territory. Appreciate it. <laughs> well, Eric, we appreciate the insight, man. This was important, obviously, during this time period. You do a great job. Um, love following your work. And thank you for joining us for the first time. We appreciate it. Enjoy the sunshine out there. Scott, Eric, AJ, it was my pleasure. Hope to uh, talk to you guys again down the road. Kratz, you think I was too harsh in hour one? You think you were too harsh? Yeah. Why? I'm just asking. I'm literally asking. Do you do you think I'm going too hard I, on no, the topic? I, thought, I, thought, I don't even care about the what I the on field product is. I'm like it you're, just you're the doing way an hour presser, like yell, like kind of berating reporters and acting like That's everyone's not the Yankee way. Normally they're smug and they're like, I'm talking down to you. I'm the GM of the Yankees. Like now he was like, so, You don't talk to me like that. <laughs> so isn't that isn't that I mean I kind of called for it earlier in the year like don't be so professional like have some fire i love the i love the fire i might be the only person that is going to go on record and say i love the fire i love love the no 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 way kratz i love the fire too i absolutely love the fire my only thing is 
have accountability with it. That's all. So I, I felt yeah. like there I mean, was we'll get, no accountability. We'll get to Ken. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he's the one that made the trade for Sonny Gray. He's the one that made the trade for uh, Joey yeah. Gallo. He's the one that hired these people. Well, let's ask Ken. Okay, so unless um, you've been living under a rock, uh, he could. Not Ken. I'm talking about fans. Oh, uh, Brian Cashman had quite a few quotes. You can backtrack to anything we just covered. We really went at length into all of it just now. Hey, let's get to the White Sox for a sec. Do we have to? No. Yes! This is my favorite part of the show. Every single day, our live viewers go up by the ones. It is my favorite part. Which part? (laughs) When (laughs) like sands through the hourglass, so go our days of our White Sox. (laughs) I mean, it's something every day. Where, where are we starting with this? Just so I know where to... Uh, we'll do that's what he said. And okay. I, I think usually what I like to do is just kind of lay out what was put out there mm-hmm. and then get reactions from you guys. Mm-hmm. So let's first go to uh, <laughs> new GM Chris Getz Deep breath. on Tony LaRussa. He said TLR is, quote, in an advisory position. That type of experience is invaluable, not only in the team building aspect, with so many little pieces that go into a major league club, mentoring minor league coaches, players, quote, he's an asset. You want to stop there or should we go to the next one? Well, okay. <laughs> I don't know. Am I allowed to am I allowed to tell the story about Tony LaRusso when we sent didn't we send him something and he What'd you send? Didn't, we didn't, sent him something? I thought foul territory sent him something and he sent something back about well, like sure. tell AJ he doesn't know what he's talking about. Oh yeah. No, we didn't send him anything like a physical gift. We, I think we, we got nice a little bit shirt. of communication. Oh, we sent him a happy birthday message. Oh, yeah. Which he, is really nice. Which I like is nice. that we do I that. actually like Tony. It's, it's a family company. But then he said, tell AJ doesn't know what he's talking about because he had nothing to do with Getz getting hired. Well, okay. But he definitely has something going on in the organization. If Chris Getz has to answer questions about, yeah, Tony's an asset and Tony's doing this and Tony's doing that. If he didn't have anything to do with anything, he wouldn't be – Sitting in from what I've heard, he's sitting in in meetings. He's still kind of running meetings, and he's still making decisions. Now I could be wrong, but I've heard this from multiple people. Didn't Getz just say it too? Yeah, but I'm just I could be wrong. <laughs> I don't think you're wrong. I think you're pretty uh, plugged in. You want to move on to the next part? <laughs> it keeps getting better. Like saying this part's the way better. Okay. <laughs> so Chris Getz out. At the GM meetings. Also, I'm not. We're not knocking the individual. We're literally no. just saying what the quotes are. I'm reading quotes today, especially because mm-hmm. there were press conferences all over the place. And yes, for the group that's asking about Boris, we'll cover that tomorrow because Scott Boris press conference is usually loaded with fun too. Should so. we try to get Boris on again? We can easily do that if we want. All right. So, quote from Chris Getz: We have a talented group. There is no question. I don't like our team. That seems like that contradicts itself. Hold on. Continue. <laughs> and we have to make some adjustments to improve in 2024. Later said that they have, quote, no untouchables trade-wise as he targets the White Sox identity. And then I think there's a good follow-up here from Pedro Griffol that's worth mm-hmm. mentioning as well. Griffol. Here we go. Griffol. On a Zoom with Chicago media, and this is from Ryan McGuffey, on a Zoom with Chicago media, White Sox manager Pedro Griffol said that he agreed with Chris Getz's statement that he didn't like the team either. He referenced World Series winners talking about loving all 26 guys. Quote, we didn't have that. And then, uh, th- do you see that comment? 
is that is that Ozzy or Ozzy's people? That's the Gian family. That's the Gian family. So they replied and said, when did he start disliking them? He said he loved this team all last year. Does he realize interviews are recorded <laughs> with laughing, crying emoji? So he hates them now? Got it. And they watch every game and, and listen oh. to everything. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Who are you? Are, are, are you role-playing? Are you role-playing? <laughs> yes. I'm every GM that's doing interviews at the GM meetings. Is it so sunny out there that they need to not see their faces or are their eyes going like this? Kratz, you're going to learn about this next week at our poker tournament because half the dudes there also wear sunglasses mm. inside. They do not want to show their true emotions or feelings. They just want to put the quotes out there. And when we read them like that, some of them spoke great. That's why. We're not going over mm. 28 other press conferences. but. I'm confused on that one from a manager. And my biggest thing is, let's get the player perspective here. Kratz, let's start with you. If you just played for a skipper, I want to start with you because I want to just do the hypothetical and let AJ build up for a role playing. Okay. If you, if you play for a coach (laughs) that says, I love my team. Everything's amazing. Blah, blah, blah. For the whole season. And then as soon as a new dude is hired, he's like, yeah, I don't like that team. What do players say? When they see that quote. F-A-K-E, you fake. You fake. I don't want it. I don't want you around no more. This boy, this man's, this man's time in Chicago is dwindling. If he's going to about fake, all of a sudden, you, you were saying before, like, we love you. We all love you. And then all of a sudden, yeah, actually, I didn't like this team either. Thanks, Chris. You're going to be here for a few years, right? I want to be here too. Mm. That was yeah. beautiful, and that was concise. Yes, that was good. That was good. Landed okay. the plane in seconds. If we beautiful. go back to the Chris Getz quote, we have a lot of talent. We have a great team, but I don't like them. Wait, what? Okay, what? And then he, if you if you continue to watch it, the, the whole because I obviously being a White Sox fan, I watched a lot of this. And I, Homer. and he said he also yeah Homer. That's fine. Homer, clearly Homer. <laughs> he said. uh he also said, you know, we, we, we're looking for certain types of players that we haven't had here in years. Wasn't he the head of minor leagues? Wasn't he in charge of developing players to a certain type of player? So we're going to go out. Now, the other thing that I found interesting about this was the White Sox keep saying we're going to contend. When Chris Getz first got the job, he said we're going to contend in 2024. Okay, but then he said we're not going to – and no one's untouchable. We're very talented, but I hate my team. So if you're going to contend with a team you hate, doesn't that mean you have to change everybody? Usually teams that change the whole roster over in one day or one year offseason, they usually don't contend very quickly. So it's just a lot of contradictions. Now, again, I want the White Sox to be good. I want Chris Getz to succeed. I want to make that very clear, right? I'm just going off with the quotes here, and as a White Sox fan – and from White Sox fans that I have spoken to, they are like, what the fuck? Because, again, they have talented pieces. Dylan Cease, Luis Robert, who should have won a gold glove. We didn't even get into that. Sorry, Kevin Kiermaier, but Luis Robert should have won. Um, they have some other pieces here and there that are okay. They have Colson Montgomery who's coming, who won MVP of the AFL All-Star Game, things like that. But are you trying to compete? And if you are, you're going to have to spend money. And we all know Jerry's not spending the money to compete to that level. Not $100 million players. He has never done it. $75 million is the highest, right? And then, or are you trying to rebuild? Because just come out and say you're going to rebuild. I know they just went through it. I, I know. 
but also don't lie to the fans. Say, hey, we're going to have to rebuild. We're going to have to start over. And guess what? Like you just talked about, Krautsy, that gets Chris gets five years. <laughs> like, oh, rebuild. I need my players here. That's five more years to do it. So uh, just be honest. Listen, we, we, we we're on Cashman. Cashman was passionate and Cashman was kind of yes. honest about what he said, how he felt. Yes. Now, how he said it might not have been the right way, but he was honest yes. about this is how I feel. To me, this is like trying to play both sides of it so the media can't get mad at me and the fans can't get mad at me. I'm going to, oh, I'm going to flop. Oh, well, I don't, I really like our team. We're talented, but I hate them. In the wait, same sentence. In the same sentence. Like, wait, what? <laughs> and then the, 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 the Gian comment was the funniest to me because, listen, the Gian boys and Ozzy, Ozzy does the post. And I, listen, I'll give Ozzy credit. He shows up every day. Now, listen, one day we'll have a whole Days of Our White Sox soap opera thing. And some of the stuff I heard about what went on last year. And, Cratch, you'll be like, there's no way this stuff happened. And it, it all happened. Okay? But, like, Ozzy, the game boys are like, wait, Pedro, you love this team. Every press conference you had, and you're going to compete, and you're going to hold them accountable. And then, like Kratz said, the, the new GM comes in, and he says he hates them. And Pedro's like, nope, I hate them too, guys. Oh, I hated them. Didn't want any of them here. Nope, let's get rid of them all. Wait, what? <laughs> Again, never, it's like the same thing. I've never heard of such a thing. Yeah, at least Ozzy, at least Ozzy would come out and be like, "I hate you guys." Like, yeah, we know. We're yeah, fine with that's that. that's middle school shit. Where it's like, where it's like, Steve said that we should all not like this person now, even though everyone was like, "We love him." Two seconds ago, right? And then everyone's like, "Yeah, we don't like this person." Mean girls, either. mean girls, like mean, mean girls, girls. mean girls. Real do you remember? Do you remember the commercial? And I don't remember what the commercial was. It was the guy. He was like, he was trying to get on this like boat party, and he's like. Oh, he goes, yeah, uh, Sergio told us. He goes, you know Sergio? He goes, yeah, you know the tall, short, thin, skinny, fat, brown-haired, light-haired, blonde-haired guy? That's exactly what they just did right there. They were just like, <laughs> come on. You know Sergio? Come join us. You're a White Sox. I do Sox, remember that. Come Here's join the thing, us. If you go on the White Sox, like, because obviously on my Twitter X, whatever, whatever X, it's a lot of White Sox feed because obviously White Sox – here and here. But they're like, oh man, Chris Getz, yeah, we're on the same page. I hate this team. And they're, but then I'm like, did they read the whole quote or they only saw that little snippet? Because the beginning said, you know, it's like, okay, yeah. I, I don't know. Listen, I want them to do well and I want Chris Getz to do well. It just is like, just t- be honest and say we're going to rebuild. Because honestly, I know you're in the AL Central, but guess what, Scott? They're probably not going to compete next year. Minnesota, even though they're probably going to drop payroll, is going to be better. They might com- – dude, it's Detroit not hard to be compete better. in that division. Cleveland's not going to be as bad as they were. They can compete in the Central if they wanted to. It is the easiest by but far. But they have easiest. to do what? The Twins are cutting payroll. They have to do what? Spend. And what do the White Sox not do? Spend. Okay, thank you. They had a high payroll this year. I feel like, I feel like this whole, I, I feel like the whole White Sox thing – I don't use emojis, but I'm a huge meme and GIF fan. And I feel like it's just like, you know, you're watching like a, the, the, the gif where like the kid's like smiling and there's a fire behind them. Like, I feel like that's the White Sox. I feel like I just got to like sit here and eat popcorn. That gif, like, this is, thank you, AJ. Thank you for your World Series, female World Series ring that you have given us for the excitement that I mean, this is. Speaking of, can I just ask this question, Kratz, and you've been you've been in a bunch of organizations. Then we got our guest right I know. Sorry, Benny. Hold on one second, because I have to ask this question. He's listening. He's a Rockies prospect. He doesn't care about the White Sox. Once <laughs> he gets traded there, then he'll really care. Um, but, Kratz, you're in a lot of organizations. Okay, the White Sox have had one team 
that has been able to do anything since 1918. So in 105 years, 106, 2024, right? That has made, won the World Series, made it to the playoffs, done the deal, right? There's not one person in the organization anywhere that was on a part of that team. You would think there'd be a coach, a something, a minor league coach. Uh, there's not one dude that is a part of the organization. And that was the only team that actually did it. I'm assuming other organizations lean back on their postseason successes and have some of those guys around in some sort of a role. But the White Sox don't have one dude that is a part of the 2005 team in their organization. So to get any role that I that I know of, who? no, they they every every organization I've been in that has a world championship, let alone not even a world championship. If you don't have a world championship and you made it to the World Series, the Brewers, those guys, those guys come around and they give. It's not all. It's not everybody. I think there's been some organizations that have won few titles and they just they just bleed those guys to death. They're just putting them in roles that they shouldn't be in just to be in the organization. But the good ones bring back the guys who just developed a. They, they, they talk about winning, whether or not you think they're arrogant or not, whatever it is, they develop players to win. So I think that is a really important thing. All right, Kratzatz, what do you got? Kind of to like suffice my Brewers fans. Maybe the luck of the Irish will come to them in their managerial search. That plays perfectly into my slap. I did actually have a line that I wanted to throw out there. I've been talking within the YouTube chat pretty actively today and in the past few days about the one thing that I really want, and I am a big believer in it. I know it's not going to happen. Hire David Ross. The Brewers need to hire David Ross. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, I know but it's Dave not going to happen. Couldn't make it as a Cub manager. Why is he? What do you make mean? It? Couldn't make it? What does that even mean? He gone. He gone. Yeah. But that doesn't mean he couldn't make it. And also, has there never been somebody it. who's been let go of a job that then has succeeded afterward elsewhere? That happens in baseball all the fucking time. Read the story of Terry Francona, Phillies, and then ends up with the Red Sox, and many, many other stories like that. Kratz, you got to be on my side on this one. No, no. But the side <laughs> that I'm on, Eric, tell me. Tell me this. Tell me this. How much of an absolute troll redemption story would it be for Council to have gone to the Cubs to help the Cubs lose for the next five years and just be the ultimate Brewer legend forever? <laughs> there is no freaking way. I mean, tell, now, me like, tell me it's not real. It's not real. And you should and be on my side. When, and when you a guy... $40 million. It's not happening. When a guy gets slashed from his gig, go to the other team, have the ultimate chip on your shoulder, and also ratings would freaking skyrocket for those matchups during for the, the first season. One, then people would be like, oh, well. no, they, they wouldn't be over it. Not if after they win each time. He not does after something. the Brewers trade Burns and after Peralta after he, he after they win each time, Ross would go like this. <laughs> that would be the celebration. Let's go, baby. Scott Come loves on. trolls. It's no, fun. He's role playing. That's not even trolling. That's just fun. That's a rivalry. By the way, before we go, happy birthday, Gardo Alfonso, one of my favorite teammates I ever had. Great dude. Great yeah, team. we do. And we have we have other players coming up this week. I don't know. They're not in front of me right now, but 
Just follow Gosman us on tomorrow. socials. Kevin we'll Gosman. Tell you about it. Oh, Kevin Gosman. Kevin Gosman tomorrow. He did okay this year. Yeah, he did. Oh, quite I can't. Well you know what I can't wait to ask him about when A Rod said he was tipping. I cannot. I, that is definitely being asked about. Oh, tomorrow. please, please ask what? him about that. The two, the two hits he gave up. Yeah, we're both homers to one guy. They were the only guy. He was the only guy they told. Insane. Royce Lewis. More of this on oh, Thursday. My. Kenny Ball game on Friday, uh, and Jan Gomes on Friday. How happy he is. And that palm tree. See ya. Hey, get in on the action with the FT fam at BetMGM. New customers use the bonus code FOUL, F-O-U-L, for a $1,500 first bet offer. Download the BetMGM Sportsbook app on iOS or Android or visit BetMGM.com. Sign up and deposit at least $10 into your BetMGM Sportsbook account. Place your first wager and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if the bet loses. If that bet does lose, your bonus bets will be available once your initial wager is settled. Gambling problem or concern? Call 1-800-GAMBLING.